family had a shoe factory just across the street from where I lived. The business was saved during the Great Depression by my great-grandfather. It didn't have its own brand name, so we made for other businesses, other yeah. shoe companies, met Guy. And uh, out of that, Jeffrey West was born. We actually gone out and got a small order, we had 12 orders, didn't we? We then went to the banks, because we needed to finance that. We went to Barclays Lawyer, they wouldn't touch us. Did you have a period when you first started where you were any sort of real trouble? First customer that went bankrupt on us. That money's gone. You're never going to get it back. There's one in particular, quite a famous, I won't mention the name, but quite a famous tailor. And he'd gone bust on us and taken us for quite a lot of money. And I remember I was walking up Sackville Street and it was pissing it down. And I'm there trudging along in the rain and this big new Range Rover comes past me like that, literally almost like one of those cartoons where it splashes me. And I look in and there's this bloke driving past, he's the bloke that's just took us for the money. You know, there's you sort of, when, when you start in the business, and you're just always positive, you just have to maintain that positivity, otherwise you, you would give up. Because there are a lot of knocks on the way and, and you have to be prepared to do things to, to, to keep your expenses down. 36 years ago and from nothing, Mark Jeffrey and Guy West started Jeffrey West and have since built a multi-million pound business with a unique worldwide reputation for offering individual men's footwear, rock and roll shoes and boots, all designed with a unique Jeffrey West flair and handwriting. Learn about their journey from wet and wild stalls and markets to running and growing one of the best quality footwear companies out there, all based from little old Northamptonshire. This episode is not to be missed. Before you start this episode, please can you click subscribe below and follow our social handles in the description. It's a massive help and it keeps you up to date with all the exciting announcements from the podcast. Well, thanks very much, uh, Guy and Mark, for coming in. Really appreciate you giving us some time today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, we start every podcast and every recording pretty much in the same way. I'm going to put you guys under a little bit of pressure from the, from the get-go with a with question. So... Um, what I also like um, people that come on to do is to sort of take me from kind of your your youth and growing up to where you are now, but try and do it in the space of about a minute or a minute and a half. So I don't know if one of you wants to wants to give that a crack for me. Right, you go. Yeah, so I grew up in Earls Barton. My family had a shoe factory um, just across the street from where I lived um, and went to school in Wellingborough. The business didn't do that well. Um, it, oh, oh, no, it's so difficult. He's a tough one, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the business was saved during the Great Depression by my great-grandfather. Yeah. And um, it didn't have its own brand name. So we made for other businesses, other yeah. shoe companies. And um, I went there at 18 after school, did pattern cutting and design, and uh, met Guy few years before that and we were selling my dad's rejects on the markets guy was working for another shoe company yeah and uh, out of that jeffrey west was born yeah good and you guys met uh, yeah, so your well best I, friends i, I grew yeah, yeah. Well, i grew up at um Cywell motella where well, it's called motel it's called Cywell aerodrome now yeah my mum and dad were the managers there okay so dad's mum and dad um, mark's mum and dad used to come in so obviously we were sort of similar age yeah so we'd end up being in the garden with a packet of crisps and a coat you know yeah. it's that kind of era wasn't it so parents have been there and yeah and then as mark said we started selling shoes on the on finmere market when we were very young we used to take them in an old trailer that was made out of radiators put the shoes in the back trundle off at five o'clock in the morning or whatever it was yeah and yeah and then we had this dream about starting jeffrey west at uh, and then obviously we did. So just to bring people to sort of present day then, in terms of the sort of scale of Jeffrey West, so we sort of touched upon a bit there and we'll go into a bit more detail in terms of how you guys got started up and what the kind of the dream and the goals were at the start of, of you starting Jeffrey West. But just to give people an understanding of the scale of the business today, do you want to just tell us a bit about kind of maybe the, the size of the business, whether it's people, turnover, what you guys are doing at the moment? Yeah, so we employ around about 30 people today. Um, the business at the moment, because of COVID and what's going on in the world, is 
the turnover is not where it was a couple of years ago, yeah. pre-COVID, but it's coming back. Um, and you know we've got four outlets in the UK. Pre-COVID, we had six. One of those is in New, was in New York, um, which sadly closed because of the pandemic. We just yeah. couldn't get out there to manage it. It was it was really tough. So you know, in the at the moment, we're in a process of rebuilding, and um, you know, it's getting there. We're yeah. coming back. Yeah, good. So in terms of kind of early life, then, so that, you know, anybody that's not from Northampton won't know but if you are from Northampton you will know about the heritage that sits around the, the the shoe industry and the shoe trade for 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 many many years in Northamptonshire so take us back to kind of your you mentioned about you meeting prior to starting the business and having that friendship and you've obviously got a family family tie with the industry so tell tell us a bit about kind of how that all started your kind of early upbringing and life and stuff like that yeah so the guy alluded to the fact that um, his parents ran the uh, motel and my parents used to go there for meals and to drink and everything else so we sort of knew each other from there and um, it was one, I kind of one summer I was working um, in the factory in the school holidays yeah um, so I was about 13 or 14 and um, my dad sort of booked me in these water skiing lessons for one afternoon a week and I went down there and guy was in the slot before me so we started and, and got, you know, became more friends yeah. because of that, you know. Did uh, you know each other prior to that? It's an odd two yeah. and, and yeah. just sort of like say, hi, how are you doing? You know, and that was it. And, and then we, you know, we used to see each other for water skiing and the summer. And I think, I think one of the foundations of starting Jeffrey West was we didn't have to speak, you know, didn't have to answer to anybody. So we could actually go water skiing. In the yeah. Summer. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the big goals. <laughs> yeah. And the big goal was, you know, if we start our own business, we don't have to ask anybody if we want to yeah. go water skiing. Cause guys, mum used to have a boat, you see. Okay. Yeah. And um, so we just used to think we'd be able to slope off. Yeah. You, you have these ideas that you, if it's your own business, you can have loads of time. Yeah. you actually have less time yeah, yeah. <laughs> significantly less time <laughs> yeah so so that plan didn't actually come to fruition we didn't you know you end up with the business becoming growing and, and not being able to water ski although one of my first memories was actually typing the first batch of sales invoices up um, sitting in the hut at the water ski club wow <laughs> Many years ago. Yeah. The office. Yeah, yeah the office, yeah. yeah. Five years ago, yeah. Be cheaper than offices these days, <laughs> <Yeah>. after the conversation <laughs> we had before we came that on. That was the reason, yeah, somebody got yeah. light. In a way, it didn't have any warmth, it just had light, so that was enough. That would, that would do. So, so in terms of that then, so when did you kind of develop a passion for wanting to um, get into the trade that you're in at the moment? So I know that you kind of were doing bits and pieces at the factory when you were sort of 15, 16 together, weren't you? I wasn't. No, Mark, I wasn't. Because I, like I say, I grew up at a motel. Yeah. So... Yes, I, I, I always thought I would. I, I don't think my parents were that keen. Okay. They, they would be quite happy for me to have done something else. And I think my father himself didn't want to go into the family business and he felt that he was dragged into it and um, thought it would be better for, for me to do, uh, you know, go down a different path. I think he wanted to go into the RAF or something, you know. And, and, and a, anyway. You know, he, he ended up working in the family business because his, his grandfather passed away. Yeah. Um, and uh, did quite well for, for a number of years. But um, I think he could see the writing on the wall for the, the shoe industry locally. You know, it's becoming harder and harder and didn't think it was a good career choice. But uh, I persevered and badgered and badgered and badgered and, and ended up getting a job there. And, you know, I was parceled off all around the trade to different uh, industries so I went and spent a couple of weeks at a tannery in Hull yeah you know a week at one of the thread manufacturers up in Derbyshire um, you know learned all the different aspects of the shoe trade and then as I said earlier you know went to um, the boot and shoe college which doesn't exist anymore because there's not the trade to support it unfortunately yeah to do day release pattern cutting and design course um, and but as I said you know our family business didn't actually have its own brand name. When you look at the business now in Northamptonshire, the only ones that are left are the ones that have strong brand names and manufacture yeah. under their own labels. Yeah. There's no future or no business making for other retailers with somebody else's name in it. Yeah. 
um, all that's all that's offshored. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, you do you do look at Jeffrey West, and it is you know you you know it's a as well as well as you've got the various locations and you sell online and you you know the, the shoes are everywhere, the product is everywhere. But you look you when I see Jeffrey West, I see the quality. You know, it's local. It's probably because I'm looking at it and it's local, and and that kind of red and black logo is very very distinctive. It's always always has been very strong, very powerful, very distinctive. So I couldn't imagine um, it not being around really in in the local area. But also I couldn't imagine you guys making for somebody else. No, we, we've done collabs for other designers, you know, yeah. in, in, and um, it's tough because you've got two lots of margin and everything else. So yeah. So how did you guys get together then in terms of getting together to to create the brand? Like Mark said, we started selling shoes, selling rejects on Finmere Market. Yeah. And we did a couple of, we did a little bit on Northampton Market, Aylesbury Market a couple of times, but we were really young. Yeah. You know, like literally 15, 16. So when you look 17. back to those times, how, how valuable were those kind of times on the market, selling the selling the product? You know, do you, do you look back at those times and think that there's a lot of learnings there for people? Or do you sort of look at, look at those times and think, you know, it's a different word now, a different world nowadays. I mean, I look back to my sort of career and I think that some of the things I'm really good at now have come from the fact that when I was 15, 16 and 17, 18, four years I was selling on the phone. I was knocking doors for two and a half years. I, I met a lot of people. I went, you know, put myself into a lot of different situations. And I think I learned a lot from that kind of hard, hard graft, not earning any money, you know, and, and getting told to piss off when I'm knocking on someone's door at nine o'clock trying to flog them something they've already got or don't need. Do you look back at those times and feel there was real grounding and learnings from yeah, what happened? I think so. You know, you've, got to, you've got to be prepared not to take any money and, and not be despondent and go back the next week. <laughs> Which we yeah. did several you know, yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. especially when yeah. it rained. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely lashing down and, and <laughs> you know, you're in an open air market at a former airfield. You know, where are the customers? You know, you haven't, we still. haven't even got a proper tarpaulin. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's the wind's ripping across and you've, you've got all your shoes out and they're getting wet. And you're, oh, it's dreadful. And, and you've paid for your pitch. And if you sell one pair, you know, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. you've covered the pitch. That's fantastic. And then the next week you might take 500 quid or something. And it's brilliant. And you've got to keep going back. You have to keep trying. But the times during that time when you were kind of obviously it sounds like you know you've got smiles on your faces it's a, a nice memory to remember especially doing it with someone that you you know you're close with um was the times there where you thought sod this this isn't going to work i think we all feel like that don't we occasionally anybody that says yeah. they don't is a liar yeah so yeah so what, uh, what kept you going in those times so when when the wind's plowing round and it's cold and it's wet and there's no customers around you haven't sold anything what what does keep you going back for the next day because not everybody would I just said we used to have a laugh. It was good fun. It you know. was, yeah. It was just, you know, we put our music on. We had a mm. we had a tape to tape. Yeah. <laughs> we get that going. We chat to there was that seat guy next to us, wasn't it? Mm. A, like a young seat lad that was working. I don't know was your uncle or whatever. Got a stand and yeah, you just there was a bit of camaraderie shit. You know, yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. I enjoyed. It. I liked being on the markets. It was great. That's why I still like shops. Yeah. Do you I miss like it? Being in the shops. Not the market, no, not now. <laughs> <laughs> right when you're young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's you sort of when when you start in the business and, and you're just always positive. You just have to maintain that positivity, otherwise you, you would give up. Because there are a lot of knocks on the way and, and you have to be prepared to do things to, to, to keep your expenses down. You know, I can remember getting up silly o'clock in the morning because we wanted to do some market research and we thought oh, well, let's go and have a look at the windows in Paris so we actually drove to Paris we were there for like eight o'clock in the morning in Paris we got the first ferry across spent all day walking all over Paris looking in the shop windows and then came home yeah didn't even stay <laughs> it's a nice day trip long day trip yeah. but oh you know so you took me out for 24 hours just to save on a hotel room yeah. You could do it then, though. You got the yeah. energy when yeah. you're younger. You so, how young. old were you when you were doing that sort of stuff? 21. Yeah, early 20, 20s. 21, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, what was the what was the the goal when you're in your early 20s? Did you you know what were you? There's a lot of things that people talk about now in terms of you know thinking about what you want in life and then it will happen and all these kind of things. Um, I don't know whether I tend to believe that or not. I think it's important to have 
goals and things to punt for, but it's certainly not going to happen just by thinking about it. You need to go and action yeah. something and make a change. Um, what were your kind of dreams in your early early 20s when you were doing this? I just just think that we, we thought this time next year, Rodney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we did love... Get the suitcases out. <laughs> we love Goodyear Road Shoes. Yeah. And we wanted to do our own take on that. You know, yeah. we used to go around the... You know, we used to go in Crockett's factory shop or mm. Jerch's factory shop, you know, and, and buy Ralph Lauren. They were making for Ralph Lauren. I, okay. I think I've still got my pair of Balmoral boots that I bought mm. that were Ralph Lauren ones when, what, 15, 16, yeah. seven, 16, 17. Still got those. So we really, it was more the export right. shoes that we liked that, that the county was making. Yeah. The rest of the toe cap boxers and that, they weren't for us, but there was... Grenson's were when, well, when Grenson's were you know properly made in the UK, they had an export range, and as did well now obviously Crockett's was selling to to Ralph Lauren, so we preferred all of the, you know the export shoes really didn't we, mm. and that that was our influence, but yeah. we wanted to get to that point of being able to have Goodyear World to choose, which we couldn't get to like you were saying then it goes in stages, you know Mark. Mark had some contacts. Was he your godfather, wasn't he? It's my brother's godfather. Brother's yeah. godfather, who'd got a factory, but we had to do it piecemeal. So we get a pattern cutter that used to come to see us at night time that we paid cash. Yeah. He cut the he cut the pieces out. We'd then take them to a closers. We'd then go and pick the closers up and then take them to, to Mark's brother's godfather, who would then put the shoes together. Yeah. And they were cemented construction. But we knew we really wanted to get to the point where we could get Goodyear World to choose made, yeah. But it was a process because yeah, they wouldn't take credibility. us. Yeah, and they wouldn't. Mm. You know, we couldn't just go straight into a Goodyear World factory. We were two young lads of twenty-two. You know that. You know that nobody really. Well, they knew Mark. They didn't know me, and they well, yeah. didn't know us as a business. But you know, this factory over in Higham gave us a bit of a break, and yeah, yeah, and we did our first row. We still deal with our, one of our first customers. Well, he was our first customer, mm. and we still deal with him to this day in Clifton, in in Bristol. Wow. So that's quite a good story. Yeah. 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 So, so everything start from very, very humble beginnings. So take take us through because there's a lot of people that listen to this that run a side business from a permanent job or or have aspirations to want to do something for themselves, but maybe don't have the confidence or the knowledge to do it. So, what kind of bits of advice would you would you give people that want to start their own business? I, I just think you have to persevere and you have to believe. You know, and you've got to be, um, you've got to do something that's that's you know unique to you. You've got to find your own USP because if if you, like you know, for instance, we are from Northampton. If we just thought, oh, we do shoes, we're just going to make them like churches. Yeah, we wouldn't be here today, would we? You know, yeah. this, you know, churches, Crockett and Jones, they do a good, they they're brilliant at what they do. You know, we need to find something that was for us, unique yeah. for us. And, um, and we, we, you know, we did. And you just have to persevere. And you, you've got to, you know, be realistic as well. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Certainly not in the shoe industry anyway. <laughs> yeah. However yeah. long you think it's going to take, times it by three. It's a bit like yeah. builders when they give you a quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running yeah. Business. yeah. Whatever, it, whatever you think it's going to take, time three and the rest as well. Yeah. And I think also at first when we, you know, we were really, we really were just giving it a go. We yeah. thought, well, if it doesn't work in six months, we'll do something else. Yeah. You know, because at that point in your life, you don't have all the commitments. Yeah, and you've all got the a bit more flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I always used to think that. I think, oh, sorry, you know, if it doesn't happen, then we'll go and do something. You know, we'll try it again or we'll do something else. And then also, I think you need to be a bit insecure to run your own business as well. You need that insecurity. That pushes you, I think. You know, like Mark said, we didn't really want to work for anybody else. Because, you know, if you've got that little bit of insecurity, you don't like somebody else having having a control over what your future is. You'd rather make your own mistakes or, you know, whatever. And did you know that from quite an early age? What's that? That kind of insecurity, that I've, kind of passion I, to want to do something for yourself. I, oh, yeah, 100%. We, yeah. we used to talk yeah. about having our business when we were 15. Wow. There was one that we, you know, we just wanted to have a business. That was it. Self-employed. So there's not many 15, 16-year-olds that are having that conversation. Yeah, I, look right. at my, I, look, I look at my daughter now, she's 17 yeah. in, in a week's time, and I think, crikey. It's different. All they're interested in is, you know, TikTok and whatever they're doing on that oh, sort of side I, I of things, isn't it? I think we grew up, looking at our friends growing up, we were all quite entrepreneurial yeah. in a way. You know, 
we're all trying to make a buck somewhere. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I say I started working for a family business and people think, oh, you go and work for a family business, you're going to get paid loads. My dad put me on the youth training <laughs> scheme. Yeah, you'd probably be on the lowest yeah. of the low, you've so, got to earn so it, yeah. Like on 20 something pounds. 23 pounds 50. Yeah. yeah. You did the same. 23 pounds 50. Yeah. A week. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all we wanted to do was earn more money to go out and enjoy ourselves. Do you think that's a generational thing? Do you I, think there's. I think, yeah, you know, now obviously, you know, Thatcher, you know, everybody's sort of anti-Thatcher, but we were the Thatcher's children, really. Yeah. You know, we went to state schools. We 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 thought that we could, you know, like we thought we'd go and live in a castle if that's really what we wanted to do. And I think it was a different era. Everybody, like Mark says, everybody we know really has done reasonably well. And that's yeah. not from private schools, that, yeah. you know, state schools. So, yeah, we, we were of an era. I think you're right. Because there, there is a conversation going around that, you know, the, the certain eras, Generation X, Z, um, are a little bit uh, not as maybe hardy and uh, maybe don't have as much of that kind of business spirit to go and do something for yourself. And they want things a, li a little bit easier and quicker than other generations. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a fair, a fair assessment or? Yeah, possibly. I mean, you sort of see there's a lot of stuff on TV now, it's all like reality TV and things like that, and people think, oh, I'll go on Love Island and become an influencer, or and it's just money, 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 just for saying, you know, putting something on Instagram saying, I love. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that, you know, that wasn't available to us, you know, yeah. it was, uh, we thought a fax machine was amazing when we <laughs> first got one, and it was yeah. just the size of a fridge freezer, and the first fax machine we got was massive. Um, but yeah, technology is just unbelievable now. So do you think that, do you think it's a change in the individual or a change in the technology and the world around that individual? Yeah, I think so. And I think, mm. you know, say we, we didn't have time, you know, we didn't, didn't have the option to spend loads of time on social media and things like that. Just had to get in your car, go yeah. and see the customers. Yeah. yeah. That was it. We had to produce the range. You know, we look there and we go, right, these are the shoes we want. Yeah. Put them in a bag, get in your car, go and see the customers. Yeah. Chat to them, go out, a bit like you said. Yeah, yeah. Exactly like, we'd go and knock on doors, ring them up. We've got this, can, can we come see, you've got a new shoe come, shoe collection. Obviously, we've got a few contacts. Yeah. But it was it was hard work. Yeah. You know, hard work and time and effort. Whereas I think perhaps because of, you know, because of technology, when you see these people that literally within 10 years are billionaires, or yeah. five years even, are billionaires. I think everything seems, you know, everything seems to be much more immediate. Yeah. Not just in that, but in everything that we do, we want everything immediate. Whereas then, you know, you'd have to get in your car and drive to Bristol, or drive to Exeter, or Aberdeen even we drive to. Yeah. You know, that's how you went to see customers. Yeah. So it was graft. Yeah, and it's not, you know, you turn up and you can't park near the shop and you've got six sample cases full of shoes. Well. That's tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not light. You've got to carry them all out. You get to the shop, you set them all up. So give me your worst. You get all the way there so, and they've forgotten you were coming. Yeah, give us yeah. Your, <laughs> yeah. That was the best one. Give us your worst like experience then. So yeah. when, when, you were, when you were going doing that sort of stuff in that way, give us your, 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 your worst uh, experience I, I of that. I remember going all the way to, I don't know, was it, was it you or me? I went all the way to Cardiff yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Ray Baker wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did it to us both. Not just one of us. So yeah. Drive, or get up, get all the way to Cardiff for a ten o'clock meeting, and he hasn't turned up. The buyer's not turned up. He's not coming in that day. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. yeah, that would happen quite a lot. Did you go back? Yeah, of course you yeah. did. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, yeah. Of course you did. So like was that uh, was that when you were sort of early twenties? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much when we were setting the business up. Yeah. Well, both of us, you know, as you just said, like the side. Both of us were working, yeah. doing other things when we set the business up. Yeah. We didn't just set the business up and both go and work for it. Yeah. I think we ran it for what? three years before yeah. then you, Mark yeah. started, because obviously Mark was doing a lot more as far as you know the back office stuff was concerned. Yeah. I was still going out, and then so it was after, I think we both, was it after five years when we were both pretty much full-time? Yeah, I think was it so. About that yeah, long? it took a while. I mean, we basically while, ran it? it underground yeah. um, without our employers knowing that we'd formed this business. Yeah, which and, is, again, yeah. really common. Yeah, yeah. common, yeah, yeah, exactly, and, yeah. And we had offices, um, kindly provided for by guys guys parents at, at Seoul Motel. I was in the same offices 
<laughs> Very loosely. I mean, they were they were former motel bedrooms that were condemned and due to be demolished. Okay. Yeah. So we, you know, we put put carpet down in them, and within a few months, there's fungi growing up through the carpets. You know, that's uh, needs must. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting because I think that you could look at your business now, and you know, you, you see it online, you see the shoes that you make, and you know, you can look at the financials and you can look at the history and, and you can see a really established and rightly so business that's been going for, for what, 35, 35 years, years now? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still but, think it's our dad's though. Yeah. They still go, they, yeah, they still go, well, when you start the business thing, your dad or your granddad or something? No. <laughs> well, you guys, do, you know, 35 years, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, yeah, we are You guys are <laughs> you're younger than me. I've got more lines than anyone. I'm probably a bit younger but no you, you see the sort of brand and the business really well established and you you know a lot this was a long time ago that you've gone through that process of really having to obviously still grafting and grinding it out now but in a slightly different way and i think people forget and won't understand that period so because that that period's got given you the ability to be here today at the end of the day hasn't it so what what do you think were so we mentioned about kind of early start in the business so if if you had you did it for five years as a bit of a side hustle three to five years before you went kind of and throwing everything into it full time I suppose which is a long time so if you've got people that are out there now that are listening to this that have a similar arrangement how did you make the jump what was the kind of moment that you made the jump what made you do it how did you get to a position of because there must be a nerve well I've done it you know there must be a nervousness of for me it was there's there's a there's a there's not a right time there was never a right time I've just got to do it and then just figure it out. And yes, I'm gonna to have to pay myself in three weeks and I've got a family to support and that's nerve wracking and whatever, but you make it work. How did you transition that? I think we were both quite lucky because we were s still quite young and I was still living with, with my mother. Yeah. You know, I was still living at home. So as Guy said, if it, if it all went wrong in six months time, I didn't have a mortgage. Yeah. I didn't have a family to support, you know, so we could be quite um, take the careful, risk. Yeah. take the risk, not take mm. any money out. That was the key, like Mark said, yeah. we didn't take any money out. Okay. Everything we made went back in. We paid all our own exes, paid everything through, you know, ourselves, really. Yeah, because <coughs> a lot of people set up, don't they, and just immediately start throwing things through the business and yeah. all this sort of stuff, and yeah. then maybe get into a position where they spent the money. Yeah. Would, that, would that be a key... Bit yeah, of I advice mean, we, that you would we, give. We, we, every, every time we um, looked at a new expense or a new overhead, we would then debate it for days on end. Well, do we really want to spend that money? What benefit is it? We were so careful with the money. Yeah. You know, almost, almost for splitting a halfpenny. Yeah. It c yeah, it goes yeah. back to when we, cause we, we, we produce the collection what we, that we're going to sell. Because obviously the way it works in the footwear trade is as it does in clothing, you need the samples. You mm -hmm. then go and see the customer. The customer goes, oh, I like that. Yeah, but can I have it in brown? I'll have 12 pairs of that. You write the order out. It's then a six-month manufacturing process yeah. really from order. Yeah. So we'd actually gone out and got a small order. We had 12 orders, didn't we? Mm -hmm. 12 customers. So we had from 12 customers. We then went to the banks because we needed to finance that. And we had two and a half grand each. And we went to went to Barclays, was it Midland at the time? Went to three before we got no, to Lloyd's. the West, Lloyd's. We went to Barclays, Lloyd's, they wouldn't touch us. And eventually we went to NatWest and in this sort of, you know, Jeffrey West history, he said, oh, I'll give it a whirl. And he went pound for pound with us with an overdraft. So we had five grand and they gave us five grand overdraft. Yeah. And that's how we started. And every pound that we made after that went back in and that meant we could have a slightly higher overdraft. Yeah. So we needed to build it up. We couldn't just take it out, which is sometimes when I read about businesses now where they're looking for funding all the time. I go, well, where's that, where's that 500 grand gone that you just had? Mm. And are you looking for another 500 grand? Because mm. as you say, somebody, a lot of the time people come in, they go, I'm going to have big flash offices, go and sign myself up for, for a new BMW or whatever it is. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. You just can't do it. It's a big risk, isn't it? Yeah, big risk because then you it. can't unravel that. It's hard to unravel that further down the line. Yeah because you've spent the money and it's gone and oh. somebody might not touch you again. All you're really doing is borrowing against just mm -hmm. increasing the runway, but you're not changing the actual mm -hmm. way that you're spending that money and how careful you've been. You're just extending mm -hmm. it out a bit further and then you'll get to a point where no one will lend you anything. Yeah, yeah and, and, and growing up in, in the family's shoe factory, you know, shoe factories take 
require huge amounts of capital. And so um, after a couple of bad years, you know, the, the family business was in hot to the bank. And I hated that, you know, if, if, if the, the pressure of, you know, the bank manager would ring up on a Friday and say, say to my father, you know, it's wages day today, are you banking anything? And I just never wanted to be in that position. So mm. we were so super careful and we were within a couple of years out of the bank and haven't been overdrawn ever since. Did you have a period when you first started where you were any sort of real troubles, like whether it be financial, whether it be per, whether it be battles between you both in terms of direction you wanted to go in, whether it be personal stuff that that that, that kind of had an effect, you know? Uh, I can remember the first customer that went bankrupt on us. Yeah, um, I can remember sort say. of like sitting at home on my own in like a dark room, just crying because yeah. that money's gone. You're never going to get it back, and it's not like. If, if someone goes bankrupt on, on you and you're in a trading business where you've yeah. actually physically bought the stock, yeah. spent money creating something and then sold it and then you don't get paid. Yeah. It's, it's not like not getting paid for your time. Yeah. You've actually physically spent cash. Yeah. And that just hurts. Especially so if that process is a six month process. It's a lot yeah. to put into well, something time, to get nothing yeah, back yeah, out of it, isn't almost it? Almost a year by the time you know really? they end up going bankrupt, you know, because yeah. you'll have probably given them credit as well. Yeah. So you've gone out, you've seen them, you've got the order, you've made the shoes, you send them in, and then from for the next five months, six months, you're chasing them up trying to get paid. Yeah. And then they tell you they can't pay you. And then set up the next day or something like that mm. under a different We've had a couple of big ones go, but there was one in particular, quite a famous, I won't mention the name, but quite a famous tailor. And they'd gone bust on us and taken us for quite a lot of money. And I remember I was walking up Sackville Street. Sackville Street is a street that runs from Piccadilly up towards Savile Row. Yeah. <clears throat> and it was pissing it down. And I'm there trudging along in the rain. And this big new Range Rover comes past me like that, literally almost like one of those cartoons where it splashes me. And I look in and there's this bloke driving past. He's the bloke that's just took us for the money. Wow. <laughs> so imagine how that made me feel. Mind you, I did pull in one night. I was out in <laughs> London and I saw him. I let him know in no uncertain terms. So, what effect did yeah. that have on you guys as owners and, and 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 the business at that time when when those people went bankrupt? It has a massive impact, but you just have to shrug it off, don't you? You know, you, you if if you let it get to you, um, it can have a massive mental impact but you just have to sort of like dust yourself off learn from it and and you just become more cynical and and you start to look at customers that have got flash cars and flash offices and flash shops and and you look at their financials and you start to just question a bit more and, and you're a bit more careful so and do you, you think that's a, do you think that's a positive thing or a negative thing to be more kind of looking at that stuff do you think that's been colour color because of experience? And is that a good a good trait? Yes and no. I think you can there are extremes, aren't there? I think if you become too cynical, you might you know You might not do business with anybody. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And it, it things yeah. are a bit of a gamble, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Setting up a business is a gamble, full stop. Yeah. So when you're younger, you get a little bit more risk averse as you get older. You certainly do, and that's the truth. But yeah, everything's a gamble, but like Mark says, some, I, I think for us, it's been a good thing to be careful, 100% yeah. it has. But then, you know, the, the, that time when we looked yeah. at that property in Notting Hill, yeah, you know, we could have bought this place in Notting Hill, could have, should have, would have, but, you yeah. know, we were like, oh, this is a lot of money, isn't it? But of course then, you know, whatever it was at the time, now it's worth 10 times that. Yeah. So, you know, there is a bit of a balance on that, but I think in, in I think it's been a good thing, how we've been, for us as yeah. a business. Every business is different, isn't it, of course? Would you say that that kind of um, risk-adverse attitude would be one of the sort of, if you had to name, I don't know, three or four of the main qualities that you need to run a business, would you say that makes it into the top few? I don't know about risk adverse. No, because you do have to take risks. Yeah, course, yeah. I just think they have to. You know, you just need to be more calculated. And I think when you're younger, you can be. I'm not saying naive, but you know, 
you're sitting there at a trade show and you've got your shoes on and someone comes on and they give you a big order and it's oh, fantastic that's a great big order now you get a big order you think check them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> can he pay for it <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. yeah what's wrong here yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, so, yeah i, I yeah no I, I think you do need to take risks but they've just got to be a bit more cal- a bit more calculated and, and when if you're young and, and, and you're starting off and we were a bit you know green yeah um, you, you, you can leave yourself open a bit but, and, and the trade that we're in is notorious yeah um, when you're selling to small independent boutiques because that's the other thing with selling to small boutiques so obviously then you're spreading your risk yeah um, if you if you've got a business and you're just dealing with one or two clients, you've got to be even more careful. Yeah, if one of those goes, you pop, really fifty percent yeah. of your business yeah. is exactly. gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that was a good thing, you know. So you might get um, a few little ones over the course of the year. Yeah, it's the, it's the one big one you have to be careful of. We yeah. did have a big yeah. one as well, didn't mm, we? We did. Yeah. So when that big one hit, the day that hit, can you remember when you got the news that they've gone bust? Can you remember what that day was? Yeah, it was somewhere around 2007, 2008 okay. during the global financial crisis. And it was a big UK retailer um, that was stocking our brand in the department stores in London because they're all concessions. Yeah. And they were owned by an Icelandic um, conglomerate. And this conglomerate had like hoovered up loads of the British high street. Yeah, and they went spectacularly bankrupt. Yeah, and um, I was just like looking at it, and thinking, "Shit, that's a brand new nine eleven with all the options." <laughs> you know, just like just to try and quantify how much money it was that yeah. that, that we'd lost. Yeah. So was that would that have so losing that would that obviously had an impact, um, and I can tell it had an impact from how you going talking to me about it. Was it uh, an impact that could potentially be a terminal impact or was it an impact that was just a sh- more of a shock of an it, impact? It could have been a terminal impact if we'd have been... Um, we borrowed the money to buy yeah. the shoes, it would have been, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, so, so as I say, we, we'd always, because of our previous experiences, you know, myself with the family business going into administration in the 80s, that company Guy worked for, when we were setting up Jeffrey West, that went into um, administration. Yeah, you, you sort of. We always thought we need some fat on the bone. We need mm. we need need our own insurance here. Yeah. So whilst it hurt, we just have to take the hit, roll with it, and and get up the next day, dust ourselves off, and carry on. Is that what you did? We yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. So with that, then it's it's kind of when you mentioned about your calculated decisions and the calculated risk. If you were a bit more risky, without being necessarily a bit more calculated you might have been in a position financially where you would have had to borrow to to fulfill that order and get that order yeah. out the door of which that would have really really yeah. hurt exactly yeah yeah it's strange when you think back and actually start to piece these things together after the event of decisions that you've made mm-hmm. and situate actually you're quite glad of those smaller boutiques going bust so you can start to kind of get more of a rounded experience and knowledge around how how everything works because you know mm. really affects the, the big decisions i suppose doesn't it moving forward um so People say, don't do business for your family and don't do business for your friends. So how have you guys worked in your relationship? Has there been times that have been difficult in terms of, you know, you've sort of butted heads in certain things and certain things you wanted to do? Um, have you got quite a relaxed approach to it? Because, you know, I know a lot of people that are in business that will just that have had people that have, you know, best friends that have worked for the business. It's not worked out. The friendship's gone to part. It's been more difficult. The high times are really great, but the low times are super low. How has the kind of relationship worked with you guys? Um, I I think we're reasonably relaxed, to be honest. Mm. And I think whilst when we were younger, we sort of did a lot um, personally outside of the business together as well. You know, we used to go on holiday together, we used to go skiing together. But as the business started to grow, you know, we couldn't both be away together at the same mm. time. So. Yeah. It's sort of whilst our so we started off as personal friends. Yeah. Started a business and the the business you know, we spend more time in the business now, but personally you sort of 
Mm. Drift apart personally well, because family well. get in yeah. the way and everything else. You, like, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So yeah. when it was just us two before, you know, and the, the business was, you know, we just started the business. We might be be able to uh, like slipped away for a couple of days, mm. you know. We still love skiing, we, though, didn't yeah. we? That was our passion. Well, it still is. But to be able to get away to go to the mountains was always something that, that I think you know that's really why we wanted to make the money. As Mark yeah. said, it was it was better to go some some form of skiing. <laughs> yeah, being so, to skiing, yeah. Snow skiing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so if you look back at your journey so far, what do you think for your in terms of your two's per, uh, relationship, whether it be business or personal, what do you think's been the highest point? what you were saying then though about you know the, the highs and I think that's another thing with our business we've never really had massive highs I mean, okay we had that company go bust on us but as Mark says we've been reasonably pragmatic about it the whole time so it was a slow growth and I think because of that you know like I say we are pretty relaxed on it you know we and, and now we have seen it all before a bit so yeah you know, now do you think that helps? Really would you be st- if I asked you this 15, 20 years ago? Would you be answering that the same way? Who knows? Quite possibly, really. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, in terms of what you guys do for the business, then, so to sort of put a bit of meat on those bones, what what are you guys? You obviously got your different roles in terms of what you're going undertaking, your different skill sets, and what you're good at, and what you what you look after. What is it that you do in the business, guy, for Jeffrey West? I'm sort of front of house and Mark's back of house for want of a better term you know that sort of sums us up really yeah you know I'm I'm sort of involved in the shops and seeing seeing the customers because obviously that's another way the business has evolved as well is whereas we just purely wholesale yeah all we did was sell yeah to to customers but there's less and less wholesale customers and now we do more and more retail obviously yeah. as Mark said we had six shops we've only got four now but the internet has been you know obviously a game changer for everybody so yeah, I'm more involved with with you know with dealing with the, with the shops and the factories and, and and customers, and Mark is more involved with the with the business. I think that's a fair yeah fair, yeah so, fair so, sort so of yeah, summary, guy, isn't it? Guy, guys create it on the creative side, and I'm on the financial side now. That's yeah. that's pretty much where we are. Yeah, and that works because you deliver it. You've still got the same common goal, which is the success and the the yeah. the and you've got to trust business, each other. Yeah. yeah, you know, of course we're different people. We're going to have different opinions. Of course we are. There's no, but I trust Mark. You know, like I always say this, it's like mm. a relationship. You don't have a wife that you only trust 90%, well, some people might. Yeah. You're either you're married and you trust somebody. Well, you don't, not, same yeah. in business. And I think a lot of people don't quite get that. I think you've got to trust somebody. So this, is a, per- this is a personal one for me. So I, 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 the, the, um, the guru business that we, that we own, both me and John have known each other since we were 15. Mm. Um, and we're, we're, we're joint shareholders and founders of the business. And there's differences of approach, but the... But the same core is that we want the best for the business and we want the best for the people within the business. And we might go about it in different ways sometimes, but it should all come back to that core, which is that we're doing it for the right reasons and we're getting passionate about something because we want it to work and we want to run a great business. We want everyone to benefit from that. So this is a bit of a selfish question, really. From being in a, in a position which is quite similar in terms of the, the structure and the relationship that you guys have as to me and John in our business, what advice would you give to me and John? to be successful as friends that also own a business well one of them just that you've got to trust each other i think that's the biggest one yeah you what can't else? you can't you can't um be going home and thinking uh, you know oh he, he, he he's he's sort of like you know if you go out for lunch you know you've got to it's all 50 50 isn't it you can't be this worrying that oh he's had a bit more than i have yeah, because you, know, yeah. you know you've got to know that it comes around. You know, whatever. You know, it's like well, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind if Mark, you know, wants to go and do something, and I'll say, I'll tell you what, I'll go and do that. You know, you. you it's not know a conversation. It, it's just come, that's just it, what it is. It, yeah, it'll come around. Automatic. You, know, you yeah. can't think that. You know, there's never going to be a, a completely balanced account, is there? Mm. You know, it might be in Mark's favour one time, in my favour another, but yeah. we know eventually it'll come around that that, that we're in. You know. We, we're taking the same and, 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 you know, treating each other equally. Yeah, and is that something that you think you've learnt from time or has there been situations in the past where maybe that's not been the case and you've... I 
you've had those sort of cri- discussions. No, no, I honestly can't recall. No, no, definitely not. Because again, I think it go all goes back to when we first started. We think about everything we spend. We yeah. really do. You know, it's like, and a lot of the time, you know, things like we spend it. We'd rather spend it out your personal money than you will out the company. Business money, yeah. You yeah. really will. You know, and I think we both think like that, and that goes back to when we first started the business. See, that's interesting because. Uh, number one a lot of people don't do that and they see the business as a vessel to just get rich and go and Mm. shove everything through it you know when the business then struggles as a bigger effect i think um from what you said there about the um the relationship even though you're front of house you still have some of the the key important parts that probably you have mark around the spending and the financial element even though you are front of house and you could look at you and be like you know, guy is the flamboyant one, the one that's the, that does the spending, the talking, the t- and all that sort of stuff. Well, actually, there's real similar. Although you're very different, and I can I can tell that from meeting you today, very different in your approach. You are galvanised by Jeffrey West being a success, but also actually have quite similar traits, albeit in different ways, I think, mm-hmm. but similar traits in terms of what's important. Yeah, no, I agree. Which is probably why you've not had many. And we treat the bi- yeah. you know like the business is a separate entity, you know, totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, years ago, my, my, my dad always said to me, he said, if you've got some money in your pocket, spend that, but don't spend what you haven't got. You know, and I think that's almost been a bit of a mantra for certainly the way that we look at the business as well. It's not our money. If you want to take the money out of the business and then yeah. pay the tax on it, you can spend it what you want, but you don't spend the, the, the business's money. We know lots of people like you that do exactly that. They shove everything through the business. Yeah. You know, great if you can get away with it, but what happens yeah. when you do have that rainy day when one of your big customers goes bust and you've taken all the money out already? Yeah. There's nothing there. You're in trouble, aren't you? So is that what under is that fear what underpins why you do that? Or is that just the way that you've always done it? No, it's just the way we've always done it. And I think I think that probably stems from the insecurity that we had, you know, with previous um, employers going going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we, that we work for. Yeah, because I certainly saw it with the people that I worked with. You know, they would they would take everything or put everything through the business. Yeah. Their family holidays, everything. Yeah. You know, we've never done that. Ever. Do you know what I find about these conversations really interesting and inspiring for me is that is that successful businesses and the way that uh, business owners go about the, what they do today. So, i.e., your conversation you just had there about making sure that you're really really strict on the money treat it as a separate entity it's not my money but there is flexibility and you know as owners we can effectively make our own decisions do what we want we've got autonomy but we choose to treat it as a separate entity and and look after it just in case it's all stemmed from mistakes people have had in the past you know learnings that you've probably had from someone who's done it wrong and i just whenever i have these conversations it always draws back to previous employers, parents that have made mistakes or situations from the past. And I just think it's life's quite interesting in that respect, which when you go back and piece it all together, that's why I like doing these conversations because it's really interesting that you're one of your massive strengths that put you in a position of strength today, financially and for your businesses come from probably somebody else's biggest weakness and their biggest mistakes that they've made. But you've been mindful enough to understand those at an early age and think, I don't want to make the same mistake. So yeah. you know, when you think back it's quite interesting yeah you know and, and we've always sort of like been let's say super careful and, and the last people to get paid in Jeffrey West are Guy and myself mm. we're, we're right at the bottom of the pecking order so you make sure your suppliers are paid your taxes are paid staff are paid yeah rents are paid you know all that has to be paid first how do you galvanise those 30 people together to, to see the dreams that you want to see for Jeffrey West? How do you do that with your people? Galvanise them. Well, how do you, how do you, how do you get everybody together and, and on the same page to understand the, the goals and aspirations of the business and the culture of the company? I think obviously most of them, well, all of them have come into the business during, you know, having, having us set it up, especially in the retail business. So there's sort of, you know, there's a knowledge there before anyway. Yeah. Um, which, you know, obviously I go to the shops quite a lot, if you're talking about our shop side, but our, our Northampton shop, you know, and our head office, we work with her, we're there every day. So, you know, I suppose it's your attitude now you teach people, but I couldn't tell you a, an actual, you know, there's no, 
you know, there's no meeting once a week and, and that kind of thing. Maybe there should be. Maybe you should be telling us. <laughs> <laughs> you're way, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're way further on in your journey than what I am, so. Um, for the most part, I think like our staff churn is really quite low. Yeah. Really low. So, yeah, you know, and, and retail staff it's usually, churn is yeah, usually, it's usually quite high, high. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, you know, we, we've got people within the stores that buy into the product. They yeah. love the product. So that that really helps if they love the product they and they believe in it. And understand it. Good yeah. at selling it. Yeah. Do you go through a process of, of helping them understand the history, the heritage, and all that sort of stuff as part of them coming on board with the business? Not, not really, no. You know, obviously because, unfortunately with, with, you know, with running shops, you know, normally you're replacing somebody that's leaving. So, you know, you've got to find somebody within four weeks. Yeah. So there's no sort of like, I'll bring them in for six months and train them and yeah, then put yeah. them into position. You just can't do that, it's impossible. So it's, it is a bit of a case of learning on the job, but obviously they're coming into a business where there are experienced people within the business. And there is, you know, we're at the end of the phone, you know, I'm as approachable as I could possibly be. You know, if we get new member of staff, I said, look, there's my phone, phone number. Anything you're unsure about, if the manager's not in, just call me, I don't care when. Yeah. You know, and, and you take it from there, really. Yeah. In terms of how running your business has changed, your lives so how do you mix in your home life with your Jeffrey West life how does it all tie together because there's a lot of big conversations that have always been had about work-life balance and all this sort of stuff and I've got a certain perception on what I think that looks like but I'm interested in hearing from you two in terms of you know you've you've you've, you've done the graft you're doing the graft you've got a successful business established business for many many years in 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 in, in the UK and elsewhere you also got a family side, a personal side. How does that mix in? How do you manage that? We're a family business. You know, Mark's wife works with him. Jeffrey West does. Does my wife? Okay. So that, to an extent, is is you know is is some way towards your yeah. question. It's quite. There's a lot of understanding there, isn't there? Is, there? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like half past five, six o'clock. Right, that Jeffrey West is finished. Yeah, I can switch off. I think when it's your own business, you never switch off. You don't. You, no. you can't. It's you. You can't. No. I, you know, it'd be great to be able to, but I don't think you can. You can't when it's your own business and you've started it from scratch at a very young age. You know, it's it's just you. It's part of you. It's part of your life. It just takes over. And I relate everything to it, almost. If I go to an art gallery because I like I like art. It, you know, I try and visit as much as I can. But everything I look at and listen to, I'm relating to shoes. You know, it's like, how can I use that in a shoe? Or what is it? Is what, what that's my influence. You mm. know, whether that's for better or for worse, but it's yeah. true. You know, we've been doing it for too long. You know, that's the thing, 35 years, that's what you think about. You know, there's a lot of people that don't run their own to. business and stuff have that opinion that somebody running a business has got all the time in the world they can do what they like it's flexible you know they've got ultimate flexibility ultimate lifestyle again i think because of the social media influence on what you see is a load of people that are business owners are just going away on a holiday every month and doing what they need to do but that's never been what i deem as a reality anyway certainly from my experience it's been you know and still is the hardest thing that i've ever done will probably be the hardest thing that i've ever done because you've got high standards and we want to make a really good success of it and we do care about our people we care about what we do with our customers and we want to be successful but i've always struggled in my 20s i struggled with that work-life balance because i think i was trying to define work-life balance which is what exactly what you said there definition of work-life balance is half five is the finish you're then at home and then that then leads to the the, the behaviours that you have that I certainly had in a previous life, which was the phone calls at six, where are you, what's going on, you know, why aren't you coming home, work's finished now, and it's like, well, I'm probably going to be here till eight because I need to get this job done, and that's really important. And the way that I look at it now is just, it's not, there's no work-life balance, it's just life full of choices that you make and priorities that happen at a time because there's time where Guru needs me intensively for three days solid, and I haven't got time for anything else, and that's what I love and that's what I choose. And there's times where... I want to go and watch my son's football match and I'll turn my phone off because that's important for me at that particular time. It's taken me all of my 20s and a failed marriage to, to learn that that's, the case, that that's the case. And I'm glad that that's happened. But I think that the, the kind of view of, for business owners and people that have companies is that you're just dotting around doing what you like when you like because that's what people see. Mm. And I just, for me anyway, it's just not, that's not the case. It's actually nice to hear someone like you two that, that have got you know, a lot further and have got more 
history and more success in your businesses because sometimes I feel like when I've started my business it feels a bit weird because your family are like why are you working so much my mum's like wor worried why, why are you getting up at 12 doing this why are you working on a Sunday like why aren't you coming to see us and it's kind of you know it's, it's hard to get them to understand so it's nice to hear that <laughs> that life thing is, is reciprocated in that in that respect basically what you're saying is if you want to run a successful business be single <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, I, do you I know what? Something, I did hear something <laughs> yeah. on the radio the other day, though. It was yeah. Danny Vaughan, and he was saying about sort of, you know, like sing, that somebody had found all these old tapes of Hancock mm. or mm. something. Yeah. And this bloke, all he does is go around car boots and finds old tapes and listens to them. Yeah. And he said, I bet he lives on his own, doesn't he? And then the whole conversation went round around <laughs> men on their own or people on their own. How many discoveries in life wouldn't have been made unless somebody was just completely focused on that one thing, whether it's a business or whatever. Well, you think so. back to what you said when you were in your early 20s with very little ties and very little, you know, like you said, no, the more, didn't have a mortgage and family at the time or whatever, yeah. lived at home. And it's kind of, well, it's a more palatable calculated risk to take to go and do your own thing versus mm. start, you know, if you add a family, a mortgage, all this pressure, extra mm. stress and pressure, maybe the decisions wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah. It's, it's true. true. You know, if you, yeah. if, 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 you know, I had a mortgage and, and a small child and you go and see the bank and they're saying, well, you know, you've got to put your house on the line. You're putting everything on the line. Mm. Whereas for us, it was like, I've got nothing to give, you know, Mm. What, you know, what's the, yeah, what's, yeah. if it fails, like you said before, yeah. it's, I'll you go know, and do something I, else then. I, I didn't even have the money to put into it. I had to, had, to, had to get a friend to refinance my car for me to get the cash to put into the business. I sold mine. I had a little MG. I sold that as well. So we both sort of got the money yeah. from cars, in effect, at the time. You know, and it was like, what can he do? You know, I had a nice watch my parents had bought me for my 21st. You know, yeah. that was that was my asset. You know, he said he, he, they said, have you got any assets? I put the watch on the table in front of <laughs> the bank manager and went, that's it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do that now. <laughs> probably, on, probably be on a Zoom call anyway, wouldn't it? But so, there we go. So, so what do you think about um, the so the future of your brand then, the future of Jeffrey West? What what does the future look like for you guys? Like Mark said, we've, we've got to rebuild. I think a lot of a lot of businesses are rebuilding since COVID. And then obviously everything has gone on this year. So... You know, we aren't exactly that. We're looking at perhaps a shop in Soho, but again, you've got to find the right premises. Nothing happens immediately like mm. that. Again, going back to what you're saying, but um, yeah, we're looking at um, a presence within the European Union to help with the Brexit arrangements because that has had a massive impact on our business in terms of um, direct to consumer selling you know our, our website we, we were we're still doing okay but you know it used to cost the same to send a pair of shoes to munich as it did to manchester now the additional paperwork and and costs it's horrendous mm. it's, an, it's, it's a nightmare and also and from the consumer point of view though they mm. you know they're having to pay duties well we mm. have to pay the duties but in their mind there was all these you know these horror stories which were true at the time and we just saw our European business drop off a cliff, didn't we? People mm. just weren't even ordering from the UK. They're going, oh, it's going to be too much aggro because of the, you know, the extra costs and the, and the you know, or it might get stopped at customs and yeah. I have to pay duty, all those things. And that's still there to an extent, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's I mean, the, back the freight companies have been really good at getting systems in place mm. to help alleviate. Yeah. But, of course, that all comes with a cost. Yeah. So there's... Yeah. Where's that factored in from your side? Yeah, you know, so uh, there's a lot, okay, you know, we're having to take the hit on a lot of these additional costs selling to Europe. But So for people to get an understanding of the scale of your company, how many pairs of shoes are you selling a year, a month, roughly? What, wholesale or retail? Or combined? Combined. I would say, so what we've got, about, probably about 12,000 a year. Do you think it's about right? Probably less than that now. You're trying to trace back Possibly. through spreadsheets in your mind now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say it's a bit more than that, to be honest. But, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah, no, I'd say it's more than that. Right. I think, it, I think it's probably more like 15, 16. Right, okay. Well, I think that gives people an understanding yeah. of if you don't know about Jeffrey West, if you're not local, for example, you know, if you're in Northamptonshire, you, you know the brand a lot, and I think you know the brand wherever you are, really, to a degree, but that's a lot of shoes to produce. That's a big operation. Big operation. Yeah, and, and uh, we were probably um, more than that 
um, a few years ago prior, prior yeah. to COVID. So yeah. We oh, were, so that's sort of current. Yeah. yeah well, that's yeah, that I, that I was taking. That's what I was thinking <coughs> yeah. when we were, and I thought, you know, yeah. Knock a bit off of it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 So no, we we were up over twenty at one yeah. point. So. Wow. Yeah, we've got got to rebuild that. When? How long do you think it's going to take you to get to? those sort of levels again we were hoping it was going to start to get back this autumn but that didn't yeah. happen did it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah you know again i think that's our cynicism now it's like well you know hopefully this time next year rodney yeah <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> gotta have that optimism last year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah you gotta be optimistic yeah so the, yeah autumn winter next year there you go that's mm. your answer no oh, fair enough good <laughs> Okay, and so, and again, just to colour the picture for some people as well, if, if you had to describe Jeffrey West and the shoes that you produce in maybe 20, 30 seconds to someone that's never, never known the brand, never seen it before, what would you say about your, your shoes? That's not the guy. <laughs> yeah, shop front this is. Yeah. Um... If it's what somebody hadn't met before. Someone you've never met before. We only make men's shoes, really. Yeah. We do a festival a boot for Lady One called a festival boot. But it's, yeah, it's a brand that, that, that you know, is more flamboyant, more individual. You know, it's for people that are, are quite sure of themselves and have got their own, their own style. They're not just sort of, you know, picking up a copy of GQ and seeing whatever's fashionable that month and going buying it. They're very much for individuals, really. Yeah. Because so I read when we before you sort of come in, just we do a bit of need to do a bit of reconnaissance and everything, and I, I didn't realise how far the shoes spread. Obviously, you've got mentioned there about the sort of volume and and the sort of countries and places that you you operate in online and different things, but I didn't realise that the the shoes had been in different films and stuff as well, like a lot, yeah, yeah. like from Snatch and Lockstock all the way to Harry James Potter Bond. and James Bond, yeah. yeah. yeah no, how did no. that all come about? You yeah, just get a phone call one day to say, different. "Yeah, we yeah. do something different." And if that's what they're looking for, you know, most of the time we do shoes for baddies, which is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite happy about that. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's because we do something different. You know, we work with quite a lot of bands as well. Um, yeah, we do. And for the West End, we did shoes for the recent re rerun of Cabaret. Yeah. That uh, Eddie Redmayne was in. We did the shoes for him for that. We're doing shoes for Moulin Rouge. Yeah, you know, okay, it's a particular kind of of production. Uh, they've got a couple of other films on the on. There's a Jason Statham film at the moment that we're doing some shoes for. Yeah, various things really, but it comes because we do something different. Yeah, yeah, and I think it all, that that's that's where it all comes back to. I think, and when I, when I think about your brand, I think about that flamboyancy. I think about there being an underlying elegant gothic nature to it but i also think about it, it's very very different and the reason why i bought my first pair however many years ago it was 13 14 15 years ago was because the shoe was different and i wanted to dress differently at that yeah, particular absolutely. time yeah. that was the sole reason and the, the the pair before we went on air that i'm talking about are the the big got, well, they're made, they're, yeah they're, they made me taller which is that? great because i'm yeah. five foot seven or something <laughs> no short but um yeah Really dark purple, uh, nice logo on the side, um, pointy, shiny, lovely boot. And, you know, they, they fit the same and look the same as they did 13, 14 years ago. Mm. They, they've lasted a heck of a long time. I've been choosy about when I've worn them um, for obvious reasons. But, yeah, I've always looked after them and always really loved them. And, yeah, when, when, when we got talking about you guys coming on, that same day that we made the first contact... I wore those boots because I wanted they, they made me feel a certain way. It took me back to when I first got them, which was, wow, these are these are not like a boot that I've ever worn before, and that well, was the sole reason exact, why. That's exactly what you know we try and achieve. Yeah, because there's a little bit of irony in what we do as well. We just put little captions on the shoes, and you know, and if you're in yeah. the know, then you know it brings a smile to your face, and to wear them, it's meant to make you feel like that. Yeah, you know, so. I think the clothing does. I mean, I'm not a big one for like clothing and stuff like that. My my other half probably picks out the majority of what. Of, of what I wear, other than the abominations that I've worn today, which is the velour top. Um, but the yeah, I like the little, the little, the little um, little elements like you mentioned there around the around the wording and just the way that things look and those little details I've always spotted and taken the time to look for because I know that the brand's synonymous for those little details and that's what makes it different. That for me anyway, that's what makes it different. That's why. Um, you know, I always love the shoes and I'll always wear them is, um, is because of the story, the heritage, the fact they're different. 
um, they make me feel a certain way. Mm. And I think that's really, you know, when you think about why you wear clothes, that's that's powerful, isn't it? You know, that's why I don't go on ASOS and go and buy a pair of brogues because mm -hmm. I don't want to wear a pair of brogues. I want to wear a pair of shoes that are going to make me feel good. Mm. And, you know, your stuff makes me feel good. So, yeah, really appreciate good. that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, good. Okay. <laughs> so if anybody wants to sort of get in touch with your business or get in touch with you guys to understand a bit more about the journey, maybe listening and watching the podcast today is, is piqued their interest in understanding a bit more about the industry or about your company and about a bit more about your stories. Um, where can they find the business? Where's yeah, best to find I, it? I think the first point of call would be to visit the website and, and, and ha have a look there. You know, there's lots of history on there. There's influence um, pages where you can see people that have influenced us. Um, yeah, no, and that's, then, you know, that's, that's, that's the place, yeah. really. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for anyone that doesn't know what that is, that's www.jeffrey-west.co.uk. Yeah, Jeffrey. Let's get that right. E -E -E -R -Y. E -R -Y. Make sure you spell it right. Yeah. Or you'll get yeah, to a different that's page. The, that's the pain yeah. of our lives, people spelling it, it wrong. You get but to Jeffrey Dahmer instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a different true. type of shoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on, Guy. Thanks very much, Mark, for coming on. Really appreciate it. I think there's, um, you know, in terms of the ethics of the podcast, I think there'll be a lot of listeners that will take a lot from it, understanding that journey in, in a bit more detail um, and getting to sort of honest points of your business journey, you know, how that affects things personally, your relationship as, as business partners, as friends is an interesting topic as well. I think there's tons of stuff that people will... Uh, will like to hear and like to listen to so mm -hmm. yeah it's been really interesting and okay. yeah from someone who's worn your shoes for a long time will continue to do so and really loves the brand you know i really do appreciate you guys coming in very welcome man. thank you yeah. thanks a lot